When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. President Trump says he'll probably dip into the Mueller testimony, you know, if there's nothing else good on. The lead starts right now. President Trump today trashing former special counsel Robert Mueller ahead of Wednesday's testimony that could change the course of his presidency. As a top Democrat says, the hearing could kick off impeachment proceedings. And right now, CNN live on the ground during what could be the biggest protest in Puerto Rico yet. Hundreds of thousands stopping traffic in an attempt to drive their governor out of office. And breaking today, Iran says it's executing American spies. President Trump says they don't even exist. I'll I'll ask a former defense secretary how close we could be to war. Welcome to The Lead. I'm Brianna Keeler, in for Jake Tapper, and we begin today with the politics lead. It may be must-see TV, but President Trump says he's not sure he'll watch special counsel Robert Mueller's testimony before Congress Wednesday. The president going after Mueller's credibility today, tweeting, quote, Highly conflicted Robert Mueller should not be given another bite at the apple. In the end, it will be bad for him and the phony Democrats in Congress. As CNN's Abby Phillip reports, the president also stepped up his attacks on four Democratic congresswomen of color. As Washington and the White House prepare for special counsel Robert Mueller's big day on Capitol Hill this week, President Donald Trump tamping down expectations. I'm not going to be watching Mueller uh because uh, you can't take all those bites out of the apple. The president winding up familiar attacks against Mueller and his credibility. Robert Mueller, I know he's conflicted. He had a lot, There's a lot of conflicts that he's got, including the fact that his best friend is Comey. But he's got conflicts with me, too. He's got big conflicts with me. As you know, he wanted the job of the FBI director. He didn't get it. But Mueller never sought the FBI director job under Trump. And former FBI director James Comey has denied that he and Mueller are personal friends. On Twitter, Trump adding his prediction. In the end, it will be bad for him and the phony Democrats in Congress who have done nothing but waste time on this ridiculous witch hunt. And days after claiming he won't watch Mueller, Trump now admitting he might. I'm not going to be watching, probably. Maybe I'll see a little bit of it. But Mueller wasn't the only thing on the president's mind. He also took aim at one of his new favorite targets, the so-called squad, made up of four Democratic female congresswomen of color. They're very bad for our country. On his way to pay respects to former Supreme Court Justice John Paul Stevens, Trump turning the accusations of racism on the four minority lawmakers, tweeting, the squad is a very racist group of troublemakers who are young, inexperienced, and not very smart. They are pulling the once great Democratic Party far left. 
and pointing to the economy as proof that he doesn't have a problem with race. There's no racial tension, and it's because of the economy and what I've done for the African-American. And one of the president's lawyers insisted that there is no organized effort to rebut Mueller's testimony this week, despite the president's tweets. Jay Sekulow said there is no war room planned at the moment. But at the same time, Sekulow said he expects Democrats to ask Mueller to literally read from the Mueller report in order to get sound bites that they believe can be used against the president over and over again. Brianna. All right, Abby Phillip at the White House. Thank you so much. Let's open up this conversation. So. David Urban, and we should note you are a 2020 (laughs) Trump campaign advisor. If the president truly believes this report, as he says, exonerates him on the issue of obstruction, then why doesn't he welcome Mueller testimony? Listen, here's what I think. At the end of the day, this is this this is just some some more theater, right? This is a political question. Impeachment is always a political question, and that's the only way to remove the president. And so, the members of Congress, the House, particularly the Democrats here, particularly, need to make a decision. They're either going to impeach the president, or they're going to move on. And they've heard from the constituents, they've heard from people at town hall meetings from across America. It's time to move on. And this isn't about the law. This isn't it's about the no, no, it isn't. No, no, it isn't more complicated. It isn't yes, more complicated. It is. You're, it is. The, listen, the, the majority leader, very smart woman, I might add. Right? The speaker? The speaker, excuse me. I'm sorry, sorry speaker. <laughs> yeah. The speaker. You're getting um, ahead of yourself. Yeah, more, <laughs> the speaker. That'll be in two years. The speaker, right? right very smart. She's wisely decided to put it behind herself. Stanny Hoyer, you go down the list, Clyburn, all, all the folks who are smart, seasoned politicians, yet. It's not yeah, off the table, it's, though. It's, it's, it's not off the t- I mean, look, great. Yeah, have, have it there was a, we'll a vote last president. week that failed. But again, there are. A wait, number, wait, say that apart again, Karen. I said it. But more importantly, there are a number of other investigations, some that have to do, frankly, with national security that aren't weren't under the purview of what Mueller was actually investigating, where there are relevant questions and things that are still being investigated. There are very real questions that folks want to ask Mueller, like, was it your intention to have Congress decide mm-hmm. on obstruction of justice when you listed 11 different incidents? So point being, what Pelosi has said is, Let's let the facts take us where they will. Right. Let's keep doing our job and doing our work right. in the meantime, but let's let the facts take us where they will. So if we're not afraid of I'm what the afraid. facts are, then let's Listen, I'm not afraid and, at all. And, and the thing that David said about how all of the Democratic constituents want, want this gone, that's not, no, not true. All, not all. I didn't if say all. That, if that were the case they would not have given Democrats control of Congress in 2018. Let's remember that part of what Democrats ran on was to hold this president accountable because Republicans were completely looking the other way. They were lemmings. They are lemmings, frankly. They have become the party of cowardice and complicity. So therefore, it is part of of Congress's job to go through the process of holding this president accountable, having Mueller come and testify about the, all of the damning things that were in this report, I think is going to be a critical part of the process that Nancy Pelosi has put forward in terms of getting the country to a place where, is, are we going to impeach the president? Maybe. She hasn't taken it off the table. But let's see oh, where the preci- facts follow. It's precisely because there is a division within the Democratic caucus that this is a problem for the Democrats. Absolutely. If they were unified, if they really all believed in impeachment, that would be one thing. But Nancy Pelosi's got a really difficult task. And she's got to figure out how does she manage the different parts of her caucus? Because there are some who see these hearings as an opportunity to advance the argument for impeachment against the president. Mm-hmm. There are others who I think rightly argue, look, we use this to gather information, to gather things that could be harmful in the campaign. But those two right. things aren't mutually exclusive. I agree, exclusive. but the problem is that I think there's only it's enough. It's part of the process. There, there's only enough right. air for one of those. But and, and, wait, and there are 40 Democrats who just got elected, right? 
the, a, lot of, a lot of modern Democrats, Connor Lamb and Western Pennsylvania, a lot of other Democrats who are going to be hiding, hiding, I promise you. From uh, the, the president again, mm-hmm. uh, he talked today about these four congresswomen of color, if we can turn it back to this. It's been a week, but it continues on. He was asked um, He was asked why he's attacking them. Let's listen. And uh, they're pulling the Democrats way left. Nobody knows how to handle them. I feel they're easy to handle. To me, they're easy to handle because they're just out there. <laughs> he's such a liar. Yeah. It, it, it's, so in, it's so insulting yeah. that he even talks about these four young women of color as people who need to be handled. They are elected members of Congress. They deserve respect. And what I think really drives this president crazy is that they are young and that they are women of color and that they are doing things that really take him off of his message. And they are also exposing what many many of us have already known, that he is a racist, that he has taken a playbook out of the of the handbook of white supremacists, telling them to send her back and then (laughs) and then using that at his rallies and then saying he doesn't agree with it. What do you think, David, about the the word choice? handling, listen, listen, I, you know, I've said many times, I don't necessarily agree. I I advise the president to tweet on substance. Look, why? Why attack these people personally? Let's attack their ideas. Their ideas stink. We can win on ideas. Let's keep winning on ideas. Right. That's what we should do. When you take an ad hominem, you take it down, you get lost in the bushes. Nobody pays attention to their ideas. And Maria, just because everybody who doesn't agree with your idea is not a racist. okay? just not. You can't say that. You can't say it over again. But you can't. But the the problem is is the problem problem is everybody. The the initial attack was racist. Well, listen, again, I would advise bad tweet. Okay, come out and argue ideas, (laughs) argue ideas. Listen, I think it's I think it's particularly I think it's particularly ripe that, you know, talk about racism. Four hundred years of Jamestown coming up here pretty shortly. And the the Democratic governor is still sitting in Virginia. Where, where, why are we hoisting him on his own petard? Where's he? I think the reason the why the fact that you have to bring him up, I the, think the, the reason why the speaks president volumes. keeps coming back to this because he feels it works to his advantage in some yeah. way. He wouldn't do no it if he question, didn't. Right. right. And so and so the, the advantage here, I do think, to David's point is to the extent that you highlight these four people as the Democratic Party and as spokespeople for the Democratic Party, I think it's a problem for the Democrats. And to the extent we're talking about these four people and not the 23 who are running for but 22 clear, who are running for president, I think that's the but issue. But to be clear, Donald Trump doesn't get to decide who's, who speaks for the party. <laughs> right. I would argue that it would be a Nancy Pelosi. It would be a John That's Lewis. Right. The media has I think also he's got been, a lot more say than you might like to admit. The media has also been obsessed with talking about these four as the spokespeople right. for the party. They are four of the spokespeople for mm. this party. But here's the thing. The president doesn't want to talk about substance. He wants to keep us divided because I, while we're I, I divided and substance. fighting each other, I want to talk about we're substance. not paying attention to the great, the great employment well, numbers. Right? We are, we are like going to talk great. about substance ahead. And just <laughs> Democrats and Republicans are preparing to question Robert Mueller, a look at the risks that both sides are taking next. Also, hundreds of thousands of people protesting a politician who refuses to step down. Why this mass demonstration feels different on the ground in Puerto Rico. Welcome back. A tale of two approaches. Democrats and Republicans gearing up for special counsel Robert Mueller's testimony on Capitol Hill Wednesday. Republicans are expected to question the ex-FBI director about the origins of his investigation and the makeup of his staff. While Democrats are hoping Mueller's testimony will bring the president's controversial 
uh, what some consider obstructive actions to life. CNN Sunland Serfati is on Capitol Hill. And Sunland, how is each side getting ready for these questions? Yeah, Brianna, the potential magnitude of this moment not lost on anyone up here on Capitol Hill. And certainly both sides have been busy preparing for this moment. Democrats, they are hoping to really have a game-changing moment at Wednesday's hearing. They have been, many of them, rereading their the entire copy of the Mueller report, staging mock hearings, practicing their line of questioning for the former special prosecutor. Democrats say that they know many Americans, of course, have not read the entire Mueller report themselves. So they do want to breathe life into the report by hearing from him up here on Wednesday. And they will certainly focus in on the areas of the report. They say that they believe the president obstructed justice. Here's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jerry Nettler. Well, the report presents very substantial evidence that the president is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors. And we have to present the, or let Mueller present those facts to the American people and then see where we go from there. And Republicans up here on the Hill, too, will similarly be looking for their own, creating their own moment um, when they are questioning Robert Mueller. They will be trying to essentially undercut his credibility, questioning the origins, the start of the investigation, and certainly how it was conducted over the nearly two-year-long investigation. Uh, two hearings on Wednesday, Brianna, lasting potentially about five hours long, certainly a potential for very dramatic moments. Brianna. Are you hearing anything about Robert Mueller's testimony? Yeah, new detail just coming out from my colleague, Jessica Schneider. She just spoke to Robert Mueller's spokesman, who says that, yes, indeed, Mueller has prepared an opening statement to deliver up here on the Hill on Wednesday. And that opening statement has not been seen yet by the Department of Justice, nor did it need to be cleared ahead of time. Uh, Mueller has been preparing with a small group of his colleagues who helped him over the course of his investigation. And this spokesman saying that Mueller's testimony will be in line with that statement that he delivered in May, late May and expected to really stick to what's actually in the report. But importantly, Brianna, the spokesman also emphasizing that Mueller is someone who comes to the table fully prepared. He'll be ready on Wednesday. All right, Selen Servati on the Hill, thank you so much. All right, so Maria, mm-hmm. Mueller's made it clear his testimony is the report, right? right? He has no intention of going beyond it. Sunland's reinforcing that with mm-hmm. her reporting and Jessica's reporting. Right. But listen, uh, as he's coming before Congress, let's listen to what Congressman, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee, a Democrat, said to our Dana Bash about what she hopes Mueller does. To tell a very indicting story uh, that can be projected by the voice and the words of Director Mueller. The picture that will be gleaned from the testimony, both in front of the Judiciary Committee and in front of the Intelligence Committee, will be stark and real. But, Maria, do mm-hmm. do Democrats run the risk of looking foolish if Robert Mueller resists their attempts at theater? I, I do think that that is certainly a challenge. But I think what the congresswoman was getting at is that the, the report in and of itself is damning that if we can get Mueller to actually just read what is in the report, those 11 instances when he clearly delineated when this president obstructed justice, 
that that will be damning enough and can be followed up by questions and commentary by the Democrats to really spell out the picture to Americans who have not yet read the report that this president or may never or may never. never. Exactly. I think that's why it's hugely important for us to hear from Mueller. And even if he does just describe, like he said, exactly what is in the report and then follow up questions. And even if the follow up questions just get him to repeat what is in the report, I think another key question is whether he decided not to indict the president simply because there is that Department of Justice guidance. If that guidance wasn't there, would he have gone further? These are key questions, Brianna, that I think will paint a very damning picture. But here's the other thing to remember. From the beginning, Barr is the one, the administration, Mm -hmm. they are the one who set the narrative in the frame, right, from the very beginning. Because what what did we first get? We got a four-page sort of summary, not actually Mueller's summary, but a summary written by the attorney general. So it was his version of events. That we know Mueller didn't agree with. I was just going to say that. that We know Mueller actually didn't necessarily agree with. That would be a question that I would want to ask. Or he felt was incomplete. Or he felt was either way. It's a great question to ask him. But point being, so from the beginning, and Democrats recognize, I mean, when I've talked Mm -hmm. to folks, they recognize they've been playing kind of catch up a little bit on the narrative about this. Because again, remember when Barr did the press conference, right, before releasing the redacted (laughs) report when no reporters actually even had a copy. So again, they've been able to really shape the narrative around this from the beginning. And so, like Maria said, just reading the actual facts can be very damning. Lenny, the president has a beef with Robert Mueller. He has these conflicts that are ridiculous. Uh, They're not real. Even his own advisors have said these are not real. So Republicans are going to question the origins of this report the president clearly would like for them to question Robert Mueller himself. Right. But how tricky is that for Republicans going after someone who's his his rec or his his background is pretty unimpeachable? Yeah, I, I think it's I think both sides for both sides. This is going to be tricky. The, the issue for Republicans is going to be, you know, Bob Mueller does have an extremely credible record of service. And to try and somehow impeach the credibility of Bob Mueller, I think, would be a mistake. I think the question is, can they begin to raise questions about the motivation for what the Department of Justice did? Can they raise questions that then they can follow up on in the future? I think that should be the goal for Republicans and not trying to go after Bob Mueller, because I think Bob Mueller is going to be a very by the book kind of guy. I think Democrats who expect he's going to say something or answer questions that speculate on things will be disappointed. I think Republicans who believe he'll speculate will also be disappointed. Is there a risk in going after the origins with Bob Mueller? there to explain it? No, I think, look, I think that everyone's expecting this great TV. It's going to be really boring TV. Right? I think Mueller's, as you saw, he's going to come out. He's going to stick to his script. He's going to read exactly. He's not going to opine and guess or speculate. It's good. Bob Mueller is a by-the-book guy. He's going to go by the book here. I would not expect anything different. Look at all his testimony previous and all the previous times to the Hill. He's colors, he colors us inside the lines. This is not going to be anything, you know, any, any bombshells. And look, for Democrats, if they're expecting this, they're hanging their hat on the wrong hook. I think that, again, this is a political decision. They don't need to be told by Bob Mueller what's a high crime misdemeanor. It's up to them to decide. But you it's know up what, to the House members. You know what's interesting, decide. Brianna? For people who have studied Mueller's congressional testimonies before, they do say that if you push him, if Democrats push him, he can answer the questions. All right. Anger boiling over. Puerto Rico shuts down and thousands are filling the streets. Protests that you'll have to see to believe here as President Trump weighs in next. 
now with breaking news in our national lead. President Trump slamming the leaders of Puerto Rico today, calling them corrupt and incompetent, while saying he is the best thing to happen to the island. This is hundreds of thousands of protesters shut down streets there and demand their governor's resignation. Years of Puerto Ricans' frustrations about corruption in government boiling over after offensive private chat messages between the governor and his inner circle were leaked. Let's go to CNN's uh, Leila Santiago reporting from San Juan. Hundreds of thousands bearing the elements rain or shine, filling the streets of San Juan, demanding Governor Ricardo Rosselló step aside or be impeached after hundreds of his private messages were published, some suggesting systematic corruption and abuses of power. Protesters say Rosselló is out of touch with the people of Puerto Rico, and the leaked chats were merely the tipping point. I am fed up with a thieving government. I am fed up with corruption. I am fed up with lack of integrity. Rosselló announced Sunday that he would not seek re-election and would step down as president of the new progressive party on the island, but he would not resign. My contention is that I need to work uh, beyond politics uh, so that we can address some of the long-standing problems uh, of, of corruption here in Puerto Rico and fix that problem. That's not enough, says his opponents that are now calling for him to leave office now. The crimes committed by the governor are so horrendous that it cannot wait. Puerto Rico's Center for Investigative Journalism published nearly 900 pages of private chats showing offensive and misogynistic messages between the governor and his inner circle. That includes using homophobic slurs and suggesting violence against political opponents. The people of Puerto Rico are now eagerly waiting to see if the governor's exit will follow. And they're looking to the legislature of Puerto Rico to see if they'll take up impeachment. This is an attack and, and basically an attack on, on the people of Puerto Rico in general. I think what the chats revealed, it was basically the breaking point. Even President Donald Trump today is calling for the governor's resignation, saying Rosselló mishandled the recovery from Hurricane Maria. He's a terrible governor. I'm the best thing that ever happened to Puerto Rico. The streets of Puerto Rico have seen demonstrations since last week, some peaceful, some turning violent. But many protesters say today feels like a new day. Why is this today different from what we've seen this week? Because it's not a matter about color or who you are or your background. It's a matter about uniting everyone, all sectors, all at once, saying for once and for all, this needs to change and will change. Leila Santiago reporting there. And just moments ago, Puerto Rico's governor, after minutes of being pressed by Fox News' Shepard Smith, he finally resistantly apologized. And is it even safe for you to continue to attempt to govern? Well, well, again, I've, I've apologized uh, for that. I'm, I'm uh, making amends for all of those efforts. I'm You've talking apologized to for what, this was, specifically, uh, uh, Governor? For, for, for all of uh, the comments that I've made on the, on the chats. All right. They have had enough, these hundreds of thousands uh, filling the streets in Puerto Rico. Uh, we are going to continue to cover this story. And next, we are also going to be speaking with former Defense Secretary Leon Panetta about the situation in Iran. 
We're back with breaking news in our world lead. President Trump this afternoon saying he is prepared for the worst case scenario with Iran and claiming the United States is, quote, geared up. We are ready for the absolute worst, is what he said. We are ready for the absolute worst, and we're ready for sense, too. Ready for sense, too. As CNN's Barbara Starr is reporting from the Pentagon, the president is also now casting doubt on reaching any kind of possible compromise. Iranian state TV announcing it has captured 17 Iranian citizens accused of acting as CIA spies, even releasing photos of what they say are covert CIA officers who recruited the accused. CNN is blurring their identities. The CIA not commenting, but President Trump pushing back hard. I read a report today about uh, CIA. That's totally a false story. That's another lie. It's a religious country or religious leaders, but they lie a lot. And as tensions keep escalating with Iran, the commander-in-chief sounded downbeat about the prospects for diplomacy. Frankly, it's getting harder for me to want to make a deal with Iran. Let's see what happens with Iran. Iran is in an all-out information war involving America's closest ally, the U.K., releasing this seemingly staged video of the crew of the British flag tanker Stena Impero, which was seized by Iran Friday. The crew appearing nervous and forced to take part in the filming. Iran also releasing this dramatic video showing Iranian commandos roping down onto the deck of the tanker when it was seized. In London, the British Foreign Secretary announcing to Parliament the military is responding. It is with a heavy heart that we are announcing this increased international presence in the Gulf. Several U.S. cargo vessels are expected to transit through the Strait of Hormuz in the coming days. The Pentagon is now considering flying fighter jets overhead to make sure those American ships stay safe. And the president, who says he doesn't want war, still making a threat. And we are ready for the absolute worst, and we're ready for sense, too. But we are very geared up. And a real test of just how far the Iranians may be willing to go is what happens if the U.S. in the coming days decides to put the aircraft carrier Abraham Lincoln through the Strait of Hormuz and on into the Persian Gulf. Brianna. All right, Barbara Starr at the Pentagon, thank you. And joining me now to discuss this is former Defense Secretary under President Obama, Leon Panetta. He's also a former director of the CIA. Uh, Mr. Secretary, thank you so much for being with us. And will you just tell us, what is the absolute worst-case scenario with Iran, and is America actually ready to deal with it? We're, we're involved in a very dangerous game right now, uh, and both sides are poking at each other, uh, waiting to see whether the other side blinks. And the, the reality is neither side is going to blink. Uh, we're not going to get Iran to uh, suddenly change their ways, and the United States isn't going to lift sanctions or suddenly become a partner in the nuclear agreement again. So they're both poking at each other. And the problem is that the more these tensions increase, the greater the danger that some kind of miscalculation is going to take place. There's a lot of pressure uh, as a result of, I'm sure, a high level of alert that uh, is taking place in the Persian Gulf. And the higher that alert, the more the chances are that some kind of miscalculation 
will lead to some kind of military confrontation. I think that's that's a reality. You have said the best way to handle the tensions with Iran is for leaders of both countries to sit down at a table together. Let's listen to what President Trump said about his approach today. I'm just going to sit back and wait. Let's see what happens. But I will say they are doing they are doing very poorly as a country and we'll see what happens. Do you think that is the approach he's actually taking? And what do you think will happen if this is the approach that he's married to? Well, yeah, the options are pretty clear at this point. Uh, uh, The first is war uh, with Iran and the United States. And neither side, I think, wants that to happen. Uh, The second is we continue the current stalemate of each side poking at the other, uh, trying to see if something uh, changes them. And that's not going to happen either. And there's a danger, as I said, of miscalculation and the possibility of war. I don't think either side wants that either. So there's only one alternative, whether they want to admit it or not. There's only one alternative, which is negotiations. Uh, And it just seems to me that the president suggested negotiating without any preconditions. I think that's a pretty good approach that Iran ought to seriously consider so that they can at least sit down and begin a dialogue, which is absolutely essential to trying to find some way out of this mess. Right, so that's how you read this, that he's saying, let's sit down without preconditions. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a good idea because, frankly, neither side is going to accept uh, the conditions that both sides are asking of the other. That's just not going to happen. So why not go ahead and negotiate without preconditions? Uh, and in addition to that, it just seems to me to make sense. And it's something that the United States has not been very good at recently, which is to build greater leverage by working with our allies. If we worked with Britain, with France, with Germany, with Russia, with China, to try to build that alliance so that we can engage in talks with Iran, very frankly, that will increase the leverage of the United States in those discussions. And that's what we should be doing. Iran claimed today that it captured 17 Iranians accused of spying for the CIA. President Trump says that's a lie. Uh, You're the former CIA director. What's your reaction? Uh, I I think the president's probably uh, in the right place with that because, uh, you know, my my sense is uh, these countries, uh, if they're going after spies, they don't usually announce to the world. Uh, the fact that they've gone after spies. Uh, To do it this way is basically part of the show that Iran is involved in. Uh, And so they've uh, obviously picked up uh, a group of people. Uh, I suspect uh, many of them uh, have no relationship to spying whatever, Uh, but they're going to announce that as a way to indicate that the U.S. is spying on them. Uh, I'm sure we are. But at the same time, I think what they have done today is basically just try to show the world that somehow uh, they're aware of these intelligence operations. I don't think there is any reality to what they announced today. And I think the president's correct that right now uh, what they've done does not really represent what's really happening on the ground. 
Secretary Panetta, thank you so much for being on the lead. Good, good to be with you. So are we on the verge of another financial collapse? A stark warning from one of the 2020 Democratic presidential candidates. In our 2020 lead, it is a warning that no American wants to hear. But today, Senator Elizabeth Warren says there will be another financial crisis, writing, I warned about an economic crash years before the 2008 crisis, but the people in power wouldn't listen. The country's economic foundation is fragile. A single shock could bring it all down. And the Trump administration's reckless behavior is increasing the odds of just such a shock. And in this same post, she unveiled her plan to prevent all of that from happening. Let's open up this discussion. I wonder, Mm -hmm. does this resonate with voters, this raising the specter of a global financial crisis? I think it does, because you still have a lot of voters who remember what it's like. I think we all remember what it's like. The the millennial generation grew up in it, and a lot of them really felt it personally. And she was right. She did actually ring the alarm before it happened, and she wasn't listened to. And look, there was a, 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 a... A study from the Federal Reserve recently that said that almost 50 percent of American households could not afford a four hundred dollar emergency. They would either have to not pay it or have to give up something else in order to pay it. So that is not a situation where you see, oh, we really do have all of the financial well-being in place. But one, one little jolt in the economy, and does it really send that shockwave of no, fear? I mean, the, the, the notion that the economy is so fragile Even the most left-leaning economists, I think, would have a tough time with that one. I mean, look, you can say that there are problems with the economy. We have problems with wealth inequality. We have Mm -hmm. problems with a lot of people feeling like maybe they'd like to be more economically secure. But the notion that the economy is going to collapse, like, if you tap it, is, is patently ridiculous. And given the current performance of the economy, it's not a smart argument to be making politically. <laughs> Actually, I think it's a smart argument to be making the week before the debate, yeah. right? Because yeah. <laughs> it puts her in a very different camp. It allows her, as she has said, to defend capitalism. She's on the stage with Bernie Sanders, who will be there. And there are not a lot of differences between them. And so to be able to say, I'm for capitalism and here's how I want to save it, whether you agree with her ideas right. or not, it does put her in an interesting position going into the debate and to call out the president's erratic behavior, which is something we get to see on display every day, that, you know, again, starts to uh, continue to undermine people's confidence in the president. And again, she's got a plan for that. So I think it's a smart strategy going into the debate. That is a good point, as we wonder how they're going to differentiate themselves. Perhaps that is the answer. But if there is, as some economists are predicting, David, some type of downturn, Mm -hmm. whatever degree you think it's going to be, is this a good strategy for her? And what if there isn't one and she's hinging her campaign on this? Yeah, so if she's hinging her campaign, she's, well, she's, she's already kind of in, in, in dire straits, in my opinion. But look, the economy is, is churning along very strongly. As long as the economy continues to do well, you know, I, I like our chances, the president's chances against a, any one of these folks. To, to, to argue that, you know, this is going to collapse the tap is, is just is, is foolish. But it's a smart move for her the week before the debate. I also I'll think give her it, that. It, I also think it taps into... A lot of those voters, yes, the economy is going gangbusters, but it's not for, going gangbusters for everybody. Almost you know, everybody. When you, n- n- that, no, <laughs> that's almost not, everybody. But see, when you say that, that also puts you and the Republican Party out of touch with those families who have to have two or three jobs in I, order I, to make ends meet, David. I, I understand that. No, I've not, and I, no listen, one is no one on I, your side I, is talking to those people. I think the president is talking to those people. No, he's not. I think a lot of those people, didn't have, he think lot of those people is, had zero jobs he thinks he before is, this president. But he's not. He's not talking. He's only talking to like 33 
3% of the American but people. That's his problem. There's another dynamic in this that we've, we saw in 2018 and we continue to see in polling, and that is people are still afraid that we could have another crash. Yeah. I mean, well, one of right. the challenges that President Obama actually even had when the, when the economy was doing well was that people were afraid. Yeah. And so they were you know, trying to hold on to whatever they could. Right. They weren't buying like a second car or things that they might have been able to afford. So whether it's real or not, you've got to actually also address the concerns and the fears mm-hmm. that people have. And I agree with Maria. There are plenty of people who yeah. are living pretty close They're to the They're not edge. feeling it. Former Vice President Joe Biden told reporters he thinks campaign staff should be making $15 an hour. His campaign spokesman backed that up, said interns on the staff are paid that rate. And, of course, this is a comment that comes as unionized campaign workers for Bernie Sanders say they are not making that, despite the <laughs> fact that for years, $15 an hour, the senator has said, should be the minimum wage. Is this going to hurt you know, there, Senator there, Sanders? There was a time when working on a presidential campaign was an honor and, and you didn't have to get paid. I don't. How do we get to this conversation where we're talking about unionizing campaign workers and having a minimum wage on a campaign? I mean, I, to me, it's just kind of ridiculous. But the, 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 it signals I, I to me practicing what you the preach, politics. Right? Well, yeah. well, but it signals to me where the politics of the Democratic Party are on this issue. Exactly. That everybody should make and a living that, wage? Well, no, uh, that, 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 that we ought to have that we ought to have well, a but Lanny, Democrats would say they want people on their campaign who can't afford to donate their time. That's right. Well, and the reality is they can pay some people that amount. But the question is, do you really want to be setting a minimum wage on a on a presidential campaign? I mean, to me, it's a, kind of a silly conversation to be having, because I think most people get involved in these campaigns precisely because they believe in the candidate. And if that candidate wants to do that, <laughs> that's fine. That. I'm just saying it's just a strange conversation to be having in a campaign believe, setting. But that's not saying that people don't believe in the candidate. Yeah. It's, I mean, I remember when I first worked on the Clinton campaign, I was very fortunate to have parents who could yes. help me for six months. Yeah. That was it. My dad Agreed. was like, if he loses, you got to get a job right. because we can only do it for this period of time. And I have to tell you, particularly for people of color, it's a really big deal. I mean, it's the, a the big argument, issue with internships. The, 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 ju- the argument that he just made is incredibly elitist. And yes, would that everybody that would want to work on a presidential campaign, their parents could allow them to do that without them having to make any money. And yes, when you do it, it is all about the candidate. You're not going to work So is it a problem for Bernie it. Sanders? Yes. Is I, it a yes, problem? Yes, I absolutely believe it's a problem for Bernie Sanders. The, you know, $15, minimum, $15 uh, an hour minimum wage king, absolutely it's going to be a problem for him. Why Should not it be? 20? Why not 25? I mean, this is this is precisely the problem. You're never th- th- this is a bidding war where there are no winners in my mind. But if you're campaigning right. on Except $15, dollars, and, and look, getting paid $15 an hour, people people can, I believe. They can work on a campaign, and they can do other stuff while they work on that campaign. I've been, I've been involved Not in four presidential campaigns. Not any campaign I've worked campaigns. on. <laughs> oh, I've been involved in plenty where people are working on the campaign and they're working other jobs as well. My point is simply this. I don't know why we're having the context. This, this conversation in the context of this, I think, is more about the politics of the minimum wage than about whether and how much people should be getting paid. It's about getting, let's cha- changing the subject a little wage. bit. Not since <laughs> The Wizard of Oz has a lion and a tin man had such a weekend at the movies. The record-setting weekend for Simba. And Iron Man. In our money lead, first the Avengers beat Thanos. Now they are beating Avatar. Avengers Endgame becoming the highest grossing movie of all time. Uh, As of this weekend, it made $2.7 billion worldwide. 
the director of Avatar, James Cameron, congratulating Marvel with this picture here. And Disney's The Lion King live action remake also feeling the love this weekend, coming in first in the box office, pulling in $185 million in North America. It's a record for a July opening and for a PG rated movie. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at Brie Keeler CNN or tweet the show at The Lead CNN. Our coverage on CNN continues right now. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number smart beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.